Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Soph. How are you? You know I'm incredible. I know you are not so incredible. So we're just going to try and bring ourselves to a balanced medium because I'm up here, (laughs) you're down here. (laughs) Far out. It's always the way with us, though. One's got to be high, one's got to be low. It's just... Always balancing each other out. Hopefully we do that on the uh, the podcast as well for people. And tell everyone why. Yeah, so for those that don't know, for well over a year now, my husband and I have been building a new house. And yesterday we moved in. We had our first night's sleep here last night. I did Congratulations. not sleep a wink. I don't know what was up. So if it's a bit echoey, I'm currently sitting on my bed mattress on the floor. It is literally the only piece of furniture in the room. So it may be a little bit echoey. I haven't had the time yet to set up my office. But yeah, it has just been a freaking dream come true. It is so surreal. Poppy and Goldie shared a room last night. And even though Poppy woke up three times and I had to go lie down with her each time, It is the first time in two years that Poppy has not gone to bed in between us. So there's new changes in this house. There's new changes and it feels good. We just needed a clean slate. I know that not everyone with like sleeping troubles out there can just go, okay, well, we'll just move into a new house. (laughs) New house, new rules. (laughs) But yes, it's been really amazing. But tell the lovely listeners why you're maybe not having such a great time. All right, just to bring it down a few notches, I've had a pretty long week in terms of just There's just been a lot of shit that I've been dealing with and it has actually got me quite anxious and a bit stressed, which is unfortunate because I've been doing so much work, as I keep saying, to... Is that a jet going through your lounge room? No, I was going to apologise. There's still some builders and, you know, workers Mm. here. So there are some tools. I don't know what the tools do, but they're loud. So I will apologise if they're going off in the background. (laughs) I might need to use those tools for (laughs) the end of my story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm already feeling like at the end of the brink and my husband comes home last night from soccer training and he stands in front of me and it looks like he's got tears in his eyes and I'm like what and he's like something bad's happened something really bad I'm like well you're standing here so like it can't can't be that bad but who like who's died that's what I instantly think Mm. um and he's like I was running and my knee popped while I was running and I have pulled a ligament of some some sort and he literally just went from saying that to I can't do sport anymore, Um, I won't be able to help you in the house, I won't be able to work, I won't be able to do this and I was just sitting there like, okay, let's just get some clarity. (laughs) 
don't talk about any of this until you go to hospital and you get a confirmed diagnosis. He's like, oh, so you what? You can't sympathise unless you've got a, I've got a diagnosis. I'm like, well, I, I need some facts. Like as soon as I have facts yeah. and I'm sympathising with you now, but I can't go doom and gloom and down that road until I know for sure that you're actually Fucked. Wait, and was he saying he couldn't help you around the house indefinitely or just for a short amount of time? Because no, no, that no. sounds so, like fucking bullshit. <laughs> no, he's saying because if you do this, you need surgery and then you have to be off your leg for six months. It's a nightmare thing, like nightmare. So long story short, he went to the hospital this morning and he was there for four hours and they've confirmed that he's fractured something in his knee he's also stretched some sort of ligament or torn something he can't get a scan until after easter possibly will need surgery so yeah happy easter oh i'm so sorry because number one it's school holidays so you want all the help you can bloody get and number two you were meant to be going away for a long weekend so that's done no 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 he's going so wait for it right I'm <laughs> is gonna, he still going gonna, to blues first yeah okay so no i don't know if I, jay no wait for it he said to me i'm gonna i'd say it on here we had this massive argument for about two weeks about blues fest because he had two tickets right one for him and one for i don't know whoever and a month ago he's like oh do you want to come? And I'm like, oh, look, it's so close to us going away. I'll just pack and get organized. So you just go and have a good time. Anyway, then my friends started messaging saying that they're going with their partners. So why don't I come? And so I said to him one day, oh, hey, have you still got that ticket? And he's like, yeah, why? And I'm like, oh, because, you know, maybe I could come. And he's like, I asked you a month ago and you don't want to, you said you didn't want to come and now you want to come. And I'm like, hang on, I'm confused because you still have a spare ticket, don't you? And he's like, yeah, but I'm planning to go with someone else now. And I'm like, but you haven't even allocated the ticket. Anyway, it went back and forth. He didn't want to look like an idiot and an asshole, but it's quite simple. He was acting like an (laughs) asshole and an idiot. So we moved past that and he's apologised and I told him that because I'm stubborn, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go to fucking Blues Fest with you and now karma, he's hurt his knee but he is still going apparently in a knee brace and crutches in the mud. So I wish him all the best with that one. And then No, and then in the morning at I think we have a really early flight, like we have to be there at 6 a.m., I have to help him and our three kids up the stairs, up the plane with all the baggage. I'm going to literally. <laughs> I, I, You're spiralling. Just take a breath. Take a breath. I am spiralling. I am spiralling. And I, look, I, I do think of what other people are going through just to try and make myself feel better that like it's not the end of the world. But when a lot of things pile on top of each other, it gets a lot. And right now it's a lot, but I'm going to say the upside to this is I pulled a mum hack. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Yeah, always. Okay. I dropped off Yumi yesterday at her daycare and I said, oh, did you guys send an email saying that you needed two extra helpers tomorrow? <gasps> and they're like, yes. Yeah. They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, I swear I could have seen that email because they're dying to help. Like they just want to look after kids and they just want to be there. Anyway, I know the girl well and she's like, you know what, Jade, they can help. They can stay all day tomorrow. We're doing a hat parade. We're doing this. We're doing that. 
I dropped all three of my children, sadly not Harry, but I could have, <laughs> at Yumi's daycare and they are having the time of their life. I've got updates of them having their face painted. Mia thinks she's a teacher. She said to me, can you please call me from now on Miss Caldwell? So, yeah, look, that I was very happy about and I'm very impressed. That is iconic. That is <laughs> yeah, an absolute good. hack. I love that you completely made up an email yeah. that you definitely never had in your inbox. <laughs> never received. I actually have two Rudolph Fabuluses this week. Oh, And yes. both of them came out of the mouth of my four-year-old daughter. <laughs> so on Tuesday we went to Brisbane together, just her and I, and we were in the middle of mini bounce. It's like bounce, but it's just for like babies to six-year-olds. Like it's just got more low-key type activities. And she was having the best time. And anyway, I went up to her and I was like, how are you going? Like, how's are you having fun? And she's like, yeah, it's so good. Anyway, she picks up this like ball thing and slams it on the ground. And just in the middle of everyone goes, boom, fucker. And I looked at her and she's smiling. And I went, what did you just say? And she didn't want to repeat it because of my reaction. And I was like, did you just say boom fucker? And she was like nodding. And I was like, oh, pops, like you can't, you can't say that word. You can't say that word. That's like a, a naughty word. That, that word's just for grown-ups. Anyway, later that night it came to me. She'd heard someone say like boom shakalaka yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like, you know, like, what I was yeah, say. like a slam dunk yeah, boom, type thing. Shakalaka. And I said to her that night and I was like, oh, did you mean to say boom shakalaka? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, okay, because you accidentally said boom fucker in front of like all these toddlers. And you just look like some redneck mum. Oh, uh. I'm like, where have you heard boom fucker before? Anyway, another rude or fabulous was... On Monday, she came home from daycare and she's like, Mom, Dad. And I was like, yeah. She's like, today at daycare, and often she, don't, often she doesn't offer up what she's learnt at daycare. Like we have to really yeah, like grill her to be like, what did you even do today? Anyway, she's like, Mom, Dad, today we were learning all about why the dinosaurs disappeared. And I was like, oh, cool. And she's like, yeah, yeah, a really, 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 really long time ago, a meteorite came and it crashed in from space and it made all the dinosaurs disappear. And I was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. And she's like, well, on the weekend, the same thing happened to Millie's grandma and she was hit by a meteorite and she died. And I was like, did she? I was like, I don't think that's how it happened, honey. That was a really long time ago. Anyway, luckily I know Millie's mum and I sent her a text message and I was like, I'm not having a joke here. I just want to check in and make sure that, you know, you and your husband's (laughs) mums are both okay. Millie at daycare said that her grandma had died. It was related to meteorites and dinosaurs. So like, It might not be true, but I'm just trying to work out if there was some truth to it and if there was, if there's anything I can do to help. And anyway, luckily she wrote back and she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm literally laughing out loud. No, Millie's grandmother did not die on the weekend and she did not get hit by a meteorite. Oh, my God. So she just made it up. (laughs) The whole thing was fucking made up. So I don't know if Millie said it to Poppy or Poppy's just made it up. But uh, So I said to Poppy, I said, don't worry, darling, Millie's grandma didn't die and the dinosaur 
dinosaurs disappeared a very, very, very long time ago. But anyway, it just made me laugh. Their brains are so funny. They're oh, just they such are. funny things. Oh, they really are. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Squatty. I was about to say we really loved this chat, but we say this every time. I know. Because if we're ever we're so going to get on and be like, we were so predictable. this was so shit. <laughs> yeah, this was like average an average episode <laughs> but we're gonna just push it through because we can't be fucked recording another one no but I legitimately mean it. I absolutely loved recording this and then I equally loved listening back to it it's because um, it's Scott Scott's voice it's just how good's his I voice I know so soothing. Yeah. He chats all about basically how we can be more accepting. He talks about gender stereotypes. He talks all about when his son first decided that he wanted to wear dresses. Anyway, we posed lots of questions to him about, you know, sons wanting to wear dresses, kids not fitting into gender stereotypes, how we can have these discussions with older generations and just, yeah, how we can all be kinder, more accepting people and I freaking loved it absolutely I loved it too yeah you do get swept away with Scott's voice it's quite soothing I'm still going on about <laughs> it down. but he's married Jade I know on. I know I'm always trying to poach other people especially when my husband's being a dick <laughs> when your husband's <laughs> shitting you yeah <laughs> but um no we absolutely love this episode <laughs> predictable and we hope you guys too so cheers on ya Hello, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We're super excited to have a chat because we think it's a really important conversation. But before we get started, if any of our listeners don't know who you are, are you able to tell us a bit about you and your family and the work that you now do? Sure. So hello, I'm Scott. Uh, I'm an author, mostly for kids. I write, you know, empowering books for young kids, um, but I do a lot of work, um, especially a lot of content around breaking down gender stereotypes for our kids and, you know, helping them be accepted for exactly who they are, even when that, you know, comes at, you know, when it's a little bit scary, a little bit challenging to the ways that we were brought up. And Scott, what led you to this? Uh, so I definitely grew up in very rigid you know, definitions of masculinity. My dad, he is a very, you know, what we would stereotypically call a manly man. I remember we were sitting on a train and this guy got onto the train and he nudged me and said, Scott, check this bloke out. He's wearing an earring. You know, he's just very, <laughs> Shock horror. Know, he's very down the line of, you know, what makes a man a man. And I was raised in that. And then, you know, when my son was about three or four years old, he fell just wildly and completely in love with Queen Elsa from Frozen. And uh, he had, you know, all the toys, he had this lunchbox, he had uh, this doll that he was so intensely proud of. He used to stop people in the street to show them this doll. And, you know, then one day he wanted to wear the Elsa costume, which is this big, fabulous, sparkly dress. Beautiful. And I was uncomfortable. You know, I thought that I was a really accepting person. I thought that I was really, you know, progressive or whatever you want to call it. And suddenly I was facing all this discomfort, you know, inside myself that I didn't even realize would be there. And so we worked through that. And once I had kind of worked through those or through that discomfort for myself, then you know, I was very comfortable just leaving that within my family and not 
jumping on social media or anything like that. But my wife said to me, you know, Scott, there are young kids out there who really you know, want to be themselves. They want to break stereotypes. Maybe they are something that their parents don't believe in. And maybe they need you know, some dad figure, even if it's just some random guy on the internet, you know, to show them that's okay. And so we put up a couple of videos and all of a sudden, you know, there was just a whole lot of people interested in that because I think it's unfortunately kind of uncommon to see dads accepting, you know, especially young boys who are breaking down that stereotype of masculinity that we've all been raised in. Absolutely. And can you tell us any ways that you did work to accept it? Um, You know, I think it's big of you to admit that at the start you were uncomfortable with that. And I think that that would be a common feeling for many families out there whose, you know, sons want to wear dresses or, you know, maybe don't want to fit into that box of the gender stereotype. So like, what did you do to overcome those feelings of discomfort? Well, our first step happened before our son was born. So uh, we sat down as a couple, my wife and I, and we said, what's the most important thing to us in raising our, I don't think we even knew the sex yet, what is the most important thing in raising our child? And for both of us, it was that we allow them to be exactly who they are, um, that we allow them to kind of like shine as they are and because it's something that both of us felt that we had been kind of denied as kids. And then part of that conversation was, well, what if that looks like this or what if that looks like you know, this other thing or this other thing? And talking about it in that sense, you know, we kind of laid this anchor that was one of, well, whoever our child turns out to be, we're going to be on board with that and support that and try and help that shine. Yes, then when he wanted to wear a dress, it was uncomfortable, you know, but we had already laid that foundation. And so whilst it was extremely easy for me to say, when he said to me, Daddy, you, I want to wear this dress, it's so easy to say, no, that's for girls, you know, and move on. Instead, you know, we took a moment and I said, you know, to myself, I was just like, well, I said, you know, whoever he is, you know, I'm going to allow it. So let's just try it. So I said, yes. And just in that moment, you know, we experienced so much more joy mm-hmm. as a family and seeing so much more joy in him that had existed before And so suddenly it became very easy to continue that because we knew it was something that brought him such great joy. But that was not a case of, I'm uncomfortable, you're happy, sunshine and rainbows, let's move on. It was something where I was uncomfortable, he puts it on, he's happy, great. I'm a little less uncomfortable. But that's just him wearing a dress in the house. And then he wants to wear it outside to the shops. All that discomfort comes back. Now he wants me to wear one with him all that discomfort times 50. So working through those steps, you know, the foundation of it was laid with that acceptance, that piece of we want him to be able to be whoever he is. But then from there, it was just these small conscious choices, seeing the result of that being something so positive for us as an entire family. 
and then continuing that on in the face of that discomfort. I'm uncomfortable with my three-year-old daughter wearing those dresses as it is. So like, <laughs> I, I feel you. Like I, she's like, I'm going to wear this out. I'm like, oh, but it's, I feel I'm uncomfortable because it's hideous. Just not because <laughs> of like what gender she is. I'm like, do you really want to wear that dress, girlfriend? But they do. And, and it is so, you do see the happiness that they have in wearing what they want to wear because they don't know what society is until they're older and how we make them see that. So for what you're doing is just brilliant. But I think that also part of that discomfort comes from a want to protect. And I think like as a parent, you know that life can be really difficult and layers like this can make life even more difficult. And whether you accept it or not is not going to take away his want to wear that dress and those difficulties. But do you think some of your discomfort came from, oh, like people are probably going to give you a hard time about that? Look, I would love to be able to say, yes, it was 100% fear for him. But there was a big <laughs> part of that that was like, I'm going to be judged. Yeah. You, know, you know, We're going to be walking down the street. Another dad's going to see me with my son. You know, I'm going to be judged as a man. I'm going to be judged as a yeah, father. Right. So there definitely was you know, a large aspect of that. What if he gets bullied? You know, what if he experiences like all this persecution or what if he experiences, you know, discomfort from friends, from teachers? And we had all of that, but there was a large part that was, well, what about me? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to feel that too. And we definitely experienced all of that. You know, we experienced, you know, bullying from other kids. Uh, we experienced teachers telling him that the things he liked weren't for boys, um, which kind of blew me away. The fact that a kindergarten teacher would say that. We also experienced adult male friends saying things about it. But then we experienced the other side as well. You know, we had, uh, we have a great friend of ours who is this, if you could picture the most stereotypical, like what a male podcast would call like alpha male, <laughs> like you could find, like this was this dude. And uh, I remember he came up it to me. It was Joe Rogan. Day. I was just about to say <laughs> Joe Rogan for yeah. sure. Picture Joe Rogan, this is this dude, you know. Um, so he came up to me while my son and I were playing and my son was wearing, it was probably an Elsa dress, but it was some kind of dress. And he said, so you let your son wear dresses. And by this stage, you know, I've gone through every type of conversation that happens from there. I was like, yes, what am I in for now? And he just started crying. And he said to me, man, I just wish I had been given that level of acceptance as a child. My life would be so different. You know? And I think that's one thing that you know, has really surprised me, the amount of men in private conversations, not in public, in public, we're a little more performative than we need to be, you yeah. know, but in, in private, you know, a lot of men have said to me how much they wish they had that for themselves, you know, the things that they did as kids that broke stereotypes and they got just enormous shame for it. And also their own discomforts with their kids and the things that their kids have wanted to do and their kind of journey through that. So we've kind of seen 
all sides of that. Oh, that's incredible that there's been, I guess, support from areas though that maybe you didn't necessarily expect it. Someone wrote in saying, my son wears his princess dress everywhere. I feel like if it were my daughter, I wouldn't let her wear it all the places that he wears it. But because it's the only time that he seems to feel like himself or act like his true self, I let him wear it nonstop. Does this resonate with you? Is it hard to then set boundaries around, I guess, where you probably would stop a girl from even wearing a princess dress? Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that because sometimes when we're in that zone of, you know, I want them to be, they know that they're accepted and they're loved. And so you can do this everywhere, even though I wouldn't let anybody else you know, do those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you, you like pull the, the dress off and it stinks you because they've been wearing it. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's really about you know, opening up the conversation as to why this may not be appropriate in a certain environment or it may be extremely appropriate, just uncomfortable in others you know one thing that we have always leaned into is and we don't talk about this much but you're coming from an aspect of your emotional and physical safety first like going through discomfort and wearing a dress to school and you're all those sorts of things fantastic being yourself but are you safe and if the answer is yes then yes go do it do your thing like but if the answer is no then we need a much larger conversation. So like my son, uh, during our insane lockdown, you know, we decided that we were going to do a sea change. We moved to the beach because there was no lockdown there. We thought this is going to be amazing. Um, we quickly discovered we're not beach people. We didn't even know there was a thing as not a beach person, but apparently that's us. We're not beach people. Um, and uh, part of that move was that he went to a conservative school. He went from a very progressive accepting school to a very conservative school, one where him just wearing like a, a couple of painted nails was this like huge thing at school, both for kids and teachers. And there we had to start having those conversations of, okay, so you might want to wear this, but there is a level of safety we need to think about here because it's such a different environment. And uh, that one, we just watched him over the space of about five months, which is about how long we lasted at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, over about five months, just this gradual shrinking into himself, this gradual like abandonment of not necessarily the things that he liked, but of himself. Mm. And it ultimately led us to the decision, one of enormous privilege, you know, to leave the house we were in and move back to the city, back to where all his friends were and where he was loved and accepted and all those things. So again, and there was no sand. Enormous, and there was no sand. Exactly. Yes. Sand pits, but no um, sand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, there's definitely that that scope of like, are they safe? But then you're just having a conversation around why, well, why can't I wear it to, I don't know where is inappropriate to wear a dress, but you know, why can't I wear it there? And having that conversation, you know, it just makes it so much easier. At least it did for us. And do those kind of him liking things outside of the stereotypical, like, you know, boy interests, like does that cross over into a lot of the things he likes or is it purely dresses? No, so he is just, 
just a young dude who has such an insane diversity of interests. Yeah. Like he loves Batman and Elsa. You know, we had a, uh, I think it was a pirate Elsa party, you know, where <laughs> you had to dress half Elsa, half pirate. You know, he just has this like really diverse interests. And so and he bloody should. Yeah. And as he's growing up, it's just becoming more and more diverse. He's massively into ninjas right now. And half the ninjas sometimes appear with like beautiful dresses and painted nails. And other times they turn up as the most like hardcore ninjas you can imagine. You know, so it's kind of <laughs> goes into everything. It sounds like you are nurturing and supporting a beautiful creative person. So kudos to you and your partner for doing so. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. He is wildly creative. So. It is so interesting though, because my daughter Poppy, you know, Poppy's favorite wiggle is Lock. Poppy's favourite Paw Patrol is Chase. She loves dressing up as Chase. She also loves to dress up as Sky. You know, like if you asked her what kind of Wiggles outfit she wanted, she would want like a purple Lockie outfit and no one would ever Mm. bat an eyelid to that. Whereas if someone's son's favourite Wiggle was, you know, Emma or Sahai and they were wearing a skirt and their favourite Paw Patrol was Sky and they were getting around in a Sky costume, don't even get me started on how different those costumes are. The Sky one is this short mini skirt pink dress and the Chase one is a full body fur like outfit but you know like no one thinks twice about her dressing up as chase but if maybe your son came to our house and wanted to wear sky well that's seen as being out there yeah i mean it's it's really funny to me i thought that in 2022 you know we had already figured out the gender stereotypes for girls I, you know, maybe this was insanely naive of me, but I thought, you know, we've been through that process for a long time. You know, girls can do whatever they want. And then every single day I get just a stack of messages like on social media or in my email where it's like my daughter wanted to wear a chase costume and her grandparents have basically disowned her. Or like we wanted to wear this to Halloween and she was made fun of the entire time. I didn't think this still happened for young girls in 2022, but apparently it does. But how can we change? I mean, I don't think we can change the older generation, but how can we educate them to accept that this is our new reality, this is our new world? Basically 90% of the questions that came in said... Something to do with a grandparent. And maybe you can speak to having, you know, the stereotypical man's man dad, but literally 90% of the questions were how do I explain to my parents, my kids' grandparents, that gender stereotypes shouldn't exist anymore? Uh, So I'll talk about my experience first. So I have, you know, as I said, the very stereotypical manly dad. Uh, and then I have the very progressive, you know, liberal mum who's like women's rights and, you know, <laughs> very much like equality for all. So when my son first started to wear, you know, wear dresses and things like that, I, I thought, you know, mum's going to be cool, you know. So we went over to her house and, she was immediately, you're confusing his gender. You're confusing yeah. his sexuality. He's going to grow up being bullied. You And we had nothing but problems. And then wow. when I went to my, yeah. And then when I went to my dad's house, 
So going to my dad's house, and because he lives in another state, so it was kind of like, you know, we've got buffer. Um, and, you know, <laughs> a state buffer. Weeks, yeah, I had weeks to, you know, prepare for the conversation that I was going to be getting into. And just because I knew that my son at that moment would love to, like, wear his favourite thing, which was his Elsa dress, you know, to, not to me, but to hang out with Grandpa. And, you know, we turn up and I'm, like, sweating. Yeah. I'm nervous. That's I'm the like, polyester. <laughs> yeah, I'm like preparing myself for the like, you're not allowed in my child's life, you know. And uh, we open the door and he just goes, hey, buddy, nice dress. And that's all he's ever you know, said. He's just like totally on board with it. He sends like every Christmas he would send down like the latest like Elsa dress or whatever. Oh, you know, he's just totally fine. Yeah, But my, but yeah, my mum, we had enormous, enormous struggles with. And that hit the point that I alluded to before where I said to her, you know, if you can't accept my son, you know, for who he is and the things that he loves, then you're not allowed to be a part of his life. And it was only when we reached that level of boundary where it was firm, it wasn't, you know, yeah, we'll come over and we'll put up with the bigotry for an hour and then we'll go. You know, it was yeah. just a very firm. We'll put his camo shorts on for the for dinner and then yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, once we did that, that's when acceptance and love came. Because at that point, my mum, we've spoken about it very openly since. And she said, you know, at that point, you know, it was, well, I want to be in his life. Maybe I'll just have to. Even if I don't like it, I can put up with it for an hour, you know, while we're hanging out. So that was insanely difficult and challenging and kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. But, you know, we went through that process. And, you know, one of the things that, I mean, this is like the number one question I get too about grandparents. Uh, and the thing that I always say is, look, you know, the the reason that they have these struggles and the reason that they have all these you know, fears around it is just purely based out of fear because they grew up in a time where like homosexuality was illegal, you know, here in Australia and around a ton of the world. You know, they've seen trans people being killed for decades and you know, gay people being killed for decades just for being who they are. So it is usually, I won't say always because they're just as straight up bigots too, but <laughs> uh, it's usually just born out of this deep either fear for your child's safety and their, their life, you know, or this fear of, you know, when you see somebody doing something that you wish you could do and you either are inspired by it and freed by it or you're like, you're triggered. You're not allowed to do that because I wasn't allowed to do that. So it's kind of one of those things. But I always say you, know, you do not need to let your child carry your parents' fears because they are those fears. And sometimes the only way to avoid that is to remove your child from the grandparents and sometimes there's a way to work it out through conversation. You know, nobody's really swayed by facts, but they are swayed by connection and emotion. So talking about like, this is who our child is. They love you. 
they'll view as you are, even though you're a bit smelly sometimes. Don't you think you you can love them because they wear this? Yeah. Coming at it from that angle, I found has helped, but sometimes there's just Sometimes people just have beliefs that are too far deep-seated to yeah. work through. I find even our generation is still like quite confused as well. Like we're, I think we're doing a lot and maybe not our best, but we're getting there for acceptance of everyone. But even like my nephew, he's two-ish and my daughter's three. And when my husband goes on the motorbike, he'll go to my his nephew, come on, Kath, come on the bike, and just assume that he wants to go on the motorbike because he's a boy. And my daughter will happily go on it in her tutu, but he is so scared he does not want to go on it. And yep. it's like it's like it's not okay for a boy to be sensitive and scared. not yeah, and yeah. scared and not interested in loud big things and for a girl it's like oh that just makes you even better because you can do that as well do you know what I mean like gender aside that's just him and his personality yeah I mean we have I, I won't speak for all men you but for me as a man I mean I grew up and the the idea of masculinity was essentially to, to boil it down you know, <laughs> to remove anything and everything that makes you stand out be as personality free as possible you know, as vanilla as possible call that your personality and that is done just through enormous amounts of shame shame when you're emotional shame when you're afraid yep. shame when you're wearing something colorful shame when you're you know doing anything that kind of breaks this really tiny idea and the struggle with that is we have so many, so many men who are bought into this idea, this really rigid definition of masculinity, but not just that. We have so many people of any gender who have bought into that idea too. And one of the things that I constantly hear in the beautiful DMs I often get is that the by allowing you know, my son to break gender stereotypes or any boy to break gender stereotypes, we're removing the masculine you know, thing from the world. And without that, the entire world is going to collapse. Everybody's going to starve. We're all going to die. You know, because we go don't to war? Have, <laughs> because we don't have men who are going to go out and chop wood over, you know, in an afternoon. <laughs> like it's it's just so absurd. But we're bought into this idea like really significantly and deeply. And so when a girl is breaking a gender stereotype, because we have bought into culturally this idea that the things boys are yes. into are more valuable than the things girls are into you know, so a girl breaking gender stereotype at least that's empowering you know yeah. whereas a boy breaking their gender stereotype well now they're less than they're worthless they're going to have a harder life you know they're going to be ostracized they're not going to earn as much they'll never get a date you know all these things that we I don't want to say we assign all those things to you know a woman but you know this idea no I get what you mean yeah anything feminine is worth so much less and so we're like reducing the value of men which is an absurd idea you know but changing that I mean it's really 
I think one of the only things that will actually make systemic change is not necessarily like let's empower our daughters by putting them into engineering. It's I think the, the path is why don't we make the things that are more like traditionally feminine just worth more as a culture? Yeah. And why don't we celebrate those things more? You know, why don't we pay our teachers more? Like why don't you know, right. why don't we do things? Scott for that- president. Scott for Prime Minister. Scott for the world. This Scott, not the no, other Scott. Not, not Scotty from marketing. <laughs> yeah, there's too many Scots available right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think that we we need to uh, really start celebrating things for girls a whole lot more. And so, like, I think that something that comes up often, and you said it came up when, you know, you were first approaching this with your mum, that idea that if you let them wear a dress or let them, you know, do things that may not be within what their gender stereotype is, that you're confusing them or you're somehow like enabling or like pushing them into it. Quite a few people wrote in saying that they've had that judgment and they don't really know how to respond. Yeah. So I guess before getting into the response, I mean, so I often, because of uh, my work as an author, I get to talk to large groups of young kids. And one thing that becomes really clear really quickly is even at three, four years old, they know who they are. You know, there's exploration and there's, you know, uh, still figuring out certain things, but they know if they're a boy, they're a girl, and they know if neither of those feel right. They know who they are. You know, I remember I was talking to a group of like five-year-olds and I said, whether you're a girl, whether you're a boy, whether you're non-binary, and this one kid in the middle just like jaw dropped and came up to me afterwards and they said, I've never heard like a teacher or authority figure even use that term non-binary. Like I thought I was the only my kid and I was like you're five you know <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe this you know so but um, they'd heard that term before yeah exactly so yeah so they they know like they may not have language for it because they may not have been too exposed to it but they know who they are you know trans kids know they're trans boys know they're boys girls know they're girls and as I said there's often exploration there but you know they do have a sense of who they are but going into that conversation I mean it's kind of one of those things where you you start to talk about well maybe there's more than just boy and girl and like that can just be the ultimate like destruction of a conversation straight away you know depending on who you're talking to But yeah, I I just usually lean into, look, whoever they are, whether that's something that you agree with or not, like, don't you just love them for who they are and accept them for who they are? And can't you acknowledge that stifling who they are just leads to shame, self-harm, depression, like all these negative outcomes. So regardless of whether you're into it or not, Let's acknowledge the fact that just accepting them leads them to a way more successful and happy life. And we've all learnt that just suppressing things makes them go away and they're never an issue again. So, you know, (laughs) if you don't accept it, it just goes away. (laughs) I learned as a kid, you know, if you feel emotions, shove them down. They never resurface. (laughs) Like, it's perfect. And then shove it a bit further. (laughs) Exactly. 
<laughs> Have you discussed pronouns or gender with your son? Yes, definitely. How did that the, go? The only reason I say definitely is because we have a lot of friends in our life who uh, use they, them pronouns. You know, so that definitely was forceful because of that. Um, but my son was confused by they, them pronouns the first time he heard them. And 65 seconds later, he wasn't. You know, it was such an easy conversation. You know, he, because we had a friend who I've been, who identified them coming over to our house and our son said, oh, you know, so when he gets there and I said, oh, it's actually when they get there just because they like to use they, them pronouns, you know, and my son was like, what? I don't get it. You're, oh, well, because you can have he, they, she. Oh, okay. Like that was it. Like it's, it wasn't the radical descent to hell that, you know, is often described. It was so easy. And it's one of those things that because it is uh, something that often doesn't get validated or spoken about at school, like it's a reminder conversation sometimes, like even with when my son first was kind of you know, hearing the concept of marriage. I remember we were sitting in the car and he said, so you know, what's marriage? And my initial answer was, well, it's when like a man and a woman get fall in love and get married. And then I was like, oh crap, let me walk that back. It's when <laughs> That's one two, <laughs> two people, yeah, it's like, it's like when you know, people fall in love, they want to get married. And that could look like a man and a woman. It could be a man and a man. It could be a woman and a woman. And then kind of every year or so, you know, there's been a conversation with one of his friends where they've said, I distinctly remember one of his friends came up to me and said, Mr. Stewart, don't you think like two men getting married is just weird? And I said, this is like at eight years old. And I said, no, well, if they are in love with each other, why would it be weird? And he goes, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's I what I heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just kind of walks off, you know. And so sometimes those reminders, you know, because it's not being heard everywhere, kind of kick in. But they're such easy conversations if you just approach them as it's going to be easy, yeah. And kids are so inquisitive. I mean, they've got more questions than anyone on the planet. And when they do ask those questions, especially mine, because they're at an age where everything is a question, but when they do, I always turn that question with a question as what do you think that means? And I get their answer before I tell them what I think, because I think as parents, you know, we are the be all and end all until we become an adult and realize we have our own say and our own minds. And it's up to us as parents to let them have their own mind and their own decisions. And it's really interesting what comes out of their mouths when you actually ask them before you shove your opinion down their throat. And often they've picked little bits of different conversations and they've gone together and you're like how did you get yeah. to that that outcome I know my, my 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 dad is that generation of man who like they can fix the electricity in the house they can build a rocket they can fix the engine they could like if there is something that needs solving they can do absolutely everything and so it was kind of this like confronting moment for me when I realized that no he's just a 
flawed human like we all are. And a lot of the answers I got as a kid weren't actually the right answers. They were just an answer that he kind of threw off. You know, so I have been actively trying to avoid that moment and just trying to establish mm. that I'm a flawed person you know, with not all the answers very early. Oh, and the power of telling them that you don't know something is is so important. And saying I may not be right with this answer but this is what I think. Like so yeah. they know that just because you not said it, you're not the yeah. answer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there are so many things where he'll ask me something and then I'll just be kind of like fumbling around for a moment and then he goes, do you think we should he calls it like searching. Do you think we should search this one? I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Google. That's probably a good idea. I think we should take this one to Siri. But just so just so we're all clear, when they ask if they should go to bed, not that they ever would, <laughs> that is not up for a debate and what they think. That is purely a parent saying, you are going to bed. Just so we're clear. <laughs> it's so funny is that like my son is he is just somebody with a very clear sense of when he reaches a level that is too tired, you know, and he'll be like sitting on the couch and say, Daddy, I'm tired. Can I go to bed? <laughs> like, oh, legend. I used to do that. Apparently, my grandparents still say that I was like one of their favorite. Whoops. Sorry, cousins. No, <laughs> one of their best. They've never said that. One of their best, like, children because I would always put myself to bed and I still proudly put myself to bed. <laughs> It's it's taken a lot of practice, but we've gotten there. Yes. On the question thing, you know, one of the things that we established kind of early when my son was quite young, uh, because you know he had these big questions that would just come out of nowhere, like like why is the sky blue? Why is your marriage equality not? That? I'm like, oh, how did you get there? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, and um, so we established this kind of ritual that was only like sometimes it was once a week, sometimes it was once a month, but we called it Ask Dad Anything where we would sit, like he has a thing under his bed because he has a bunk bed with what he calls his happy base underneath it, um, which is just like a cosy spot. You know? And so we'd sit in there and we'd have like snacks and it'd just be like an Ask Dad Anything session. And most of the sessions were the like, why are the clouds white? Why is the sky blue? You know, uh, why do you fart? You know, stuff like that. And what like were your answers to all that, Scott? Yeah. And then, uh, and I'd be searching a lot of them. Every time <laughs> then, he would come out with like the most poignant question of all time. He'd be like, Daddy, how come I never see you cry? You know, and then I would, and then you have this moment where you're like, oh, I could just say because I just haven't found anything of the need to cry for. I'm a man. You know, or I could go, well, because when I grew up, you know, I was taught that men can't cry. Isn't that crazy? And he'd be like, that's the craziest thing ever. I cry, you know, all the time. And you cry when you see bing bong disappear Aww. inside out. And I'm like, yes. So, yeah, it often you're know, having those questions. Like it's so hard to not just find the time where they'll actively want to ask you something really deep, but where you have the time to kind of put everything down, like stop packing the lunch for the five-minute conversation it's going to have to answer this question. Yeah. You know, you're just not having the time for it. So finding that dedicated time that's a little tiny bit distracted while we're eating snacks and stuff, but it's there to ask questions. It's so beautiful. And sometimes, yeah, the questions are so intensely profound. Uh, it just blows me away. 
I'll tell you one I get stumped with, and Jade, you might have an answer to this, or Scott, you may shave your legs, so you may have an answer to this. But like when my girls ask me why I shave my legs, but like my husband doesn't, yeah. I don't have an answer. I'm kind of like, oh, I like them that way. I mean, look, I don't shave them that often. I'm really tooting my own horn, but I was actually shaving mine yesterday in the shower and Yumi's into um, mimicking everything we do. So she started shaving with an invisible razor and I was watching her do it and it went through my head. Why? Like I do it because I want soft legs, but why did we start doing this? Because it was like told that we, I mean, I know a lot of people don't have hairy armpits and that, that's all great, but like. It, yeah, it's just it, one of those things answer? that's like, what, why does answer? dad not shave his armpits, but you do? And I'm like, well, I like it that way, but is that because I've been taught to like that? But because is that enough that's of an answer? seen as, you know, more beautiful by society. Like, yes, it probably is. I'll have to search that, that one. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed yeah. to like things that are totally within the stereotype. That's fine. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Does your son ever express, you know, that boy or male or son or anything like doesn't fit him or is he quite comfortable being a boy, being your son? Uh, yeah, no, my, my son is extremely, I am a boy. I know exactly who I am because of the conversations that I have around him breaking gender stereotypes and things like that. uh, I will often be like in, I was was doing this big speech with this big corporation and uh, somebody said, you as the father of a, of a trans child, you and I had to kind of like pull it back and say, no, look, I just want to make clear, like my son is not that my son is very comfortably a boy who happens to like you know, all these different things. Uh, but yeah, no, my son is you know, very straight in the line. He is a boy. And until that changes, that's how I'm referring to him. Yeah, that's so interesting because I bet that there's also a lot of questions around sexuality as well, but oh, wearing a dress goodness. does not reflect your sexuality and at the end of the day he's a what four or five year old boy to say that there is a few questions around it is like the biggest understatement of all time and I'm (laughs) always like especially when we started putting some stuff on socials and stuff I was like we're talking about a five-year-old kid like who cares what their sexuality is firstly you know um, but there's a lot of assumptions you know, one of the most interesting ones that I have gotten is that because I am allowing my son to wear a dress, therefore I must be gay and forcing my child to be gay too. And there are so many like misunderstandings in that single sentence, uh, with the biggest of which is that your gender, your interests and your sexuality are all intrinsically linked which is absolutely not the case. You can have completely different interests from what we would you know, stereotype as your gender and your sexuality. So, um, yeah, there is a misunderstanding around that, especially because he is a boy breaking gender stereotypes. I don't. I think we have finally passed the stage where if a girl you know, likes sports, we don't immediately think that she's a lesbian. Uh, we think, oh, she's a girl who likes sports. You know, but we are still very deep in the yeah. conversation of that boy must be gay or trans because he likes 
something that we've culturally associated with girls. But even environment, like, you know, we've got my nephew who is surrounded by women and girls, surrounded, and he has his arm out of his shoulder and he's walking around with like dolls and prams and things like that because he's surrounded by that environment. When I was growing up, I had a Down syndrome uncle and he only wanted to play cars and that's all we did. We played trucks and cars. It's like when you are in a certain environment, that's what you adapt to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, so I, um, I had a short film come out recently and it's um, incredible. Everyone needs to watch it. I was in tears. I haven't watched yeah, it. You. I'll um, send you the link. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> uh, we had a, like a premiere for it. And at the venue, it was a unisex bathroom and the bathroom just had MF on it. And uh, my son walked into the venue and he looked at that doorway and he said, oh, what does MF stand for? And I said, oh, it's male, female uh, for, you know, the bathrooms so that, you know, any, everybody knows they can go in there. And he said, that's a bit silly. And he got out a piece of paper and he wrote on there, on this piece of paper, gender neutral bathroom and stuck it up over the M and F. <laughs> and funnily enough, like the, the venue owner came over to my wife because my wife was organizing that event. And uh, it opened this really interesting conversation. He said, well, it is a gender neutral bathroom. So should it just say gender neutral bathroom or should it say just, and my wife was like, Toilet. I mean, could just say bathroom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so then he. Let's bring he, it back. Yeah, yeah. And so he, um, they're actually changing the signage just based on this nine-year-old just looking at something and being like, oh, it, Amazing. we could just word that better. You that know? could be better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but funnily enough, I mean, I, as a kid, I would have never even thought of doing that. So, like, he's definitely growing up in an environment where, like, at that premiere we had, you know, uh, straight cis men wearing dresses. If you can picture, like, a kind of fashion, it was there, you know, uh, and it was Amazing. this, like, wildly safe and inclusive environment and I just I often think man you I cannot imagine growing up well I can because I'm watching him do it but I can't imagine myself growing up in an environment that was so inclusive and whoever I wanted to be it was okay you know my life I'm very very happy with my life but it would look so different now, at least just from the perspective of so much less internalised shame and drama. So, yeah. It's interesting you bring up, bring up the bathrooms because uh, that was a question I was going to ask because my daughter, she's four, and she's very much at that age where she likes to label things and, like, everything has a possession like that started as toy that started as toy every time we go into a public bathroom she'll be like is this the boys toilet or the girls toilet or we'll be out in public and she'll be like you know is that a boy or is that a girl is that a man or is that a woman and I know she doesn't mean anything by it but I'm always kind of stuck in this you know like I'm the first person to say to her like yeah no Boys and girls can like unicorns. Boys and girls can go to that party, whatever. Like boys and girls can wear a dress. But I always get stuck with that one because I'm like, well, most of the time when you're out and about, like the bathrooms are male or female. And I know she's only asking because she's a girl and she sees herself as a girl. But what what do you say to that? So I... Uh, to, to go on to the, is that person a man or a woman? Because yeah, we totally went through that labeling stage for sure. And we always lent into, I don't know, you know, uh, I guess 
you could you just looking at them you might think they're a they're a boy or a man but don't know you know and uh so now it's really funny because like we'll be watching something on tv or something and uh i'll say oh that woman there and my son will go well it might be a woman you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we are, we are definitely, you know, we are in, uh, I'm not even going to use the term imperfect. We're just in a world that has, you know, decided that the way we categorize people is to take everybody, split them in two by what's inside their pants. Like that's how we've decided certain <laughs> things. And that's just kind of a part of the world, you know? So there are men's and women's bathrooms. It would be great if there was like more inclusive bathrooms, especially knowing all the science behind it, you know, especially in schools where they have gender neutral bathrooms and it immediately removes all bullying in bathrooms and all those sorts of things. But um, yeah, that is just part of the world. So I always kind of lean into the, well, that's what it is, you know, but it could be better. Yeah. And one of the biggest questions is how to raise our kids to be more accepting. Yeah, for sure. I think the the biggest, the most important and at the same time, the most insanely challenging part of parenting, especially around a conversation like this, is modeling is the biggest form of parenting. It's one thing to say you need to be, or you, sorry, you should be really, really accepting. And then at the same time, laughing at homophobic jokes and stuff in front of your kids. Like there's two, them seeing something and hearing really, really different things. So the first step that I always kind of lean into is how can I not just internally be accepting, but how can I project more inclusivity, more acceptance so that even if nobody else notices it, at least my son is growing up in an environment where he sees his dad being accepting and inclusive, which he will then hopefully model. But I definitely, uh, I have a lot of conversations with him around this topic uh, because like where you're talking about the, uh, the, the labeling of things, everything that we have conversations around, I'm always kind of looking for, always is a, is a strong term. I sometimes am looking for, uh, you know, how can I make this conversation more inclusive, more empowering, you know, just this answer, or how can I just lean into a, I don't know, that's just the way that we've decided it is, but that's how it is. How do you think it could be better? So modeling that questioning, I think is a really, really big step. So good. Well, yeah, I love all the work you're doing. If anyone out there hasn't seen your short film, we'll link it in the show notes because, oh, my God, it gave me the warm and fuzzies. Definitely made me run out of the room that I was in and go and hug my kids and just want to tell them whoever you want to be, be it, as long as it's kind. But, yeah, thank you so much for all the work you do. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of parents listening who are, you know, like grappling with this at the moment and probably have been sitting in discomfort comfort but I hope this is encouraging and Um, hopefully some grandparents might listen to this as well and get a little bit (laughs) of education who knows that would be amazing you know and even if like somebody is sitting here listening to this and just being like this is all ridiculous like everything they are talking about all this inclusivity like it's just ridiculous what is the world coming to you know all those things that you know we can't have a sense of humor anymore it's insane you know i would just say that's you know if that's 
how you believe. Okay. But just ask the question of where that comes from, because you can't say it's impossible to say that just a human being is naturally you're prejudiced against something else, you or somebody else. Like this is taught to us and who taught it to us and why did they teach us, teach it to us. And when we can just explore that, that helps us really change our own perspectives. Amazing. Thank thank you you. so much, Scott. No, thank you. I've loved it. It's been awesome. Legend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.